I need to, I need to br- bring your attention to a couple things before we move on. This is our last sermon in this One Harvest series. Can't wait to share with you what God's given me. But I want to draw your attention to the One Day to Feed the World. The envelopes are provided right outside on the table. You can grab those on your way out. You do not have to make that gift today. Of course, you can. Uh, but we ask you to fill that out with your intention of making that gift by the end of the year. The reason why that's important is because we have a businessman who, for the past two years, has matched dollar for dollar everything that we give to Convoy of Hope. And that goes a long way. Uh, Last year, I believe it was 36,000 us, 36,000 them, over 70,000 to feed people all over the world and also does women's empowerment, all types of things Convoy of Hope does all over the world. This year, he raised his challenge uh, and uh, doubled what he was gonna match, and so I'm believing that God will use us to do that. To date, you, Greater Life Church, have given over $100,000 to missions. To date, we, Greater Life Church, have given well over $250,000 to missions because we believe time is short. Amen? So I want you to understand something. Our philosophy is simply this, to be good stewards of what God has given us, but also to be a conduit of his blessing. We do not take it and build bank accounts. We take it and give it away to the sake, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Today's message, One Harvest, is the last on this series. I want to give you a little bit of attention. I want to give a little bit of attention to what God is doing through Greater Life Church all over the world. Recently, we were able to send some money to our Indian congregation. They have two campuses in India, and they're doing a big Christmas outreach. And uh, we were able to send them $1,000, which doesn't seem like a lot of money, but that's what they needed to feed all kinds of people and to give all kinds of gifts to to children. And they're doing a big Christmas outreach there. And uh, then we had an opportunity last week. I was at Locust preaching and loved, loved, loved. It reminded me of the early days of church planting. It was so awesome. And it was a packed house, and it was a lot of fun. And we had three baptisms at the end of the service that were signed up. But then we had four spontaneous baptisms that happened right in the moment. And me and Kelly are standing there just boo-hooing. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And then last week, Pastor Anthony at our East Charlotte campus, um, Greater Life Church Mora, uh, was preaching, and they had well over 80 people that attended. It's their only, only their second service that they've had over there as they're ramping things up to do an official launch in the new year and an Easter of next year. Finally, one of the cool things that happened this past week is we had a lady come by, and I thought she was here for picking up a student at our Greater Life Academy, which, by the way, God is blessing that, and that is growing, but she came by, and... Um, I normally don't get caught, but I happen to be standing at the front door, and I'm glad I was. So he came in. I'm just, I'm looking for who's in charge. And I said, well, that depends on what you need. (laughs) 
And uh, she proceeded to tell me that she worked at East Mecklenburg High School and wanted to drop off a poster for um, whoever was in charge. And I said, oh, that's Anthony, Pastor Anthony Calvert. He's, he's pastoring the, the campus over there. And, and she said, well, can you give him this? And it was a poster of the staff of East Mecklenburg, and it was signed on the back with thank yous because he went over and fed all of the teachers just a couple of weeks ago. And I'm telling you, I have never seen, and I started in schools, and it's like they tolerate you. Uh, but they have opened the doors to Pastor Anthony and to Mora. I'm, I'm almost convinced that they're going to set him up an office in the guidance counselor's wing because they have said, we need spiritual guidance and spiritual counseling just as much as anything else. This is a public school in Mecklenburg County. God is doing great things all over this community because of your faithfulness. Thank you. Many people want to be remembered. Many people want their name to last beyond their own lifetime. Unfortunately, even in our society, if you look at true crime stuff, you'll find that there's even people that will do horrendous things just to make it into the headlines. They just want to be remembered. There is something within humanity that knows that our time is short. And we just want to be remembered. And time is short. I can say with full confidence that Jesus could come back even while we're in this service. And I know that preachers have been saying that literally for 2,000 years. But I'm going to keep saying it. Because I believe that he could return at any moment. Some of the most recent headlines and recent developments in our world is the alignment of the one world religion. The Abrahamic house of faith that has been built in Abu Dubai has three structures. One, a Jewish synagogue. One, a Muslim mosque. And one, a Catholic church. The leaders of those respective religions have now aligned themselves and are saying together that our God is the same God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Recently, about two weeks ago, there was a big world religion, world um, government meeting where they came together and the Pope himself unveiled a new Ten Commandments attached to climate change. Medical tyranny has shown us in 2020 that the government can and will get away with whatever they we allow them to do. We turn around today and we say, how could our society in this nation ever allow these things to happen? This church remained closed for about three weeks. This pastor fought COVID for 45, day and got, 45 days and got this close to death. But I'm telling you, as I stand behind the pulpit today, never again will I allow the government to shut worship down at Greater Life Church. I would rather risk death and worship my king instead of staying home, hunkered down, and waiting for it to happen on its own. There is confusion today, friends, in simple social constructs. Marriage, gender, the most elementary of things have been confused and twisted 
There is even celebration of, and a deep-seated pride. There is sin in our schools and even churches. It has become the norm and it is in the open. Not too long ago, we found ourselves, if you were watching the news, we found ourselves this close to World War III. As the headline said, Russia shoots on Poland. Well, that journalist has been fired because that whole story has been debunked. But do you know how close we came and how simple it would be for our world to spiral into chaos? The responsibility today of the believer in these times is to work and to look. We are to work toward the harvest and we are to look up toward the return of Christ. One of the most recent developments is that on Wednesday night for the whole year we've been doing a prophecy study. If you're interested in that kind of thing, there's a podcast that captures all of that. However, on one of the sessions or one of our studies, I talked about the French president, Emmanuel Macron, who, quoted, who was quoted some years ago as saying that he wanted to be the one world leader. The modern day uh, Caesar to lead the entire world. But just a week ago, as the world governments came together, he said again, there will be one world government and I am happy to serve as the leader. How humble of him. There is an evil in this world that is not humanity. It is more sinister than any of that. The devil himself is working against the kingdom of God. But if we've learned anything in the past couple of weeks as Ron McManus preached, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. However, the church is to be at a posture of taking ground, not sitting back. One of the greatest indicators of the return of Jesus is a great falling away. 2 Timothy chapter 3 lays this out as the apostle Paul lay, uh, writes to his spiritual son, Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says, In the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Is it starting to sound familiar today, church? They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Verse 5 lays out the most scariest of scenarios. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. The main denominations, or some of the main denominations in our world today, were founded on a holiness movement. Deep passion for prayer and the Holy Spirit moving in and among them. And yet today, they have slipped so far away from that original intent 
that they've allowed, like a cancer, the lies of the enemy to creep in the back door. They act religious, but they reject the power that could make them godly. What is that power? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. In church, when we begin to put the Holy Spirit in a corner and in a box and try to relegate the presence of God like we would a horse or an animal of some kind, we have missed it completely. This is his church. It ain't mine and it ain't yours. He's in charge. Well, if things are that bad, then Jesus, the great falling away has happened and Jesus must be returning, but we're still here. We are still here. What is our purpose? The trumpet has not sounded and the sky has not fallen yet. Second Peter 3, 9, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Some of the people you may follow as they lay out, Jesus is going to come here, and this just happened, so now this is going to come here, and, and these things are taking place, so now we, we can expect it to happen in, in 22 and 23 and 2030, whatever the case may be. As soon as mankind puts a date on it, I'm going to tell you right now, my scripture says, the Bible says that there no man knows the time or the hour. So, for consideration, how about we wise up and stop putting dates on this thing? Because if we put dates on this thing, could it be, well, not coming that day. Was going to, but now I'm not. <laughs> I know it's a silly thing to consider, but it's also a silly thing to think that we can know what God knows. So why are we here? If there's a great falling away, if the trumpet has not sounded, if we have not been raptured, if we are still in this world, then why are we here? We are here because I'm hoping and praying that revival is around the corner and that by his mercy, he's given us a little bit more time to reach one more. He's given us a little bit more time to pray our loved one into the kingdom. He's given us a little bit more time to serve, to give, to be good stewards of what God has given us for the sake of the one who might be lost. If we're still here, then we have work to do. Say amen whether you believe it or not. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to unpack your word. These truths, may they resonate within us. Help us, help us to take every day that we have as a gift from on high to use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me dispel the notion, if I may, that we don't have time. I'm not here today to beg you to do something or to beg you to give up your precious time. I'm here today to invite you to be a part of a blessing. There's the switch. I'm here today to let you know of one of the greatest games in all of history, and that is serving the Lord God Almighty with everything that we have within us. 
It is a blessed life. It is not a life of stress. It is not a life of anger. It is not a life of overwhelming commitment. It is a life of blessing. To be able to serve God, to be able to serve Him, to be able to do something, even if it's so small, that might make an eternal impact on somebody's life. Friends, that is the call today. What will your role be in the one harvest that we have been called to? If you're taking notes today, number one, build something that lasts. You know, we surely can get caught up doing things that don't last, putting our times, our efforts into things that don't last. I'll ask the question this way. Are you pitching tents or building altars? Are you pitching tents or building altars? Abram, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, the scripture says, After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country. With Bethel to the west and Ai to the east, he built another altar, dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped God, worshiped the Lord. So he set up camp. He pitched a tent for him and his family. It was simply a tent. If you've been camping, think of it this way. You go to that campsite and you set up a tent. And then you build yourself a fire pit and you put stones around it and that's where you're gonna cook. That's where you're gonna warm yourself. When it's time to leave, what do you do? You pack the tent up, you take it with you, what do you leave? The fire pit. Maybe the next person will be able to enjoy that. You see, there's a permanence about an altar that Abraham understood. What he was doing when he arrived was simply giving himself a place for shelter. But what he was doing when it came to the worship of the Lord is doing something permanent. Not only he could come back to, but somebody else could see it and understand that there is a God in Israel. He built tents. Are you spending more time pitching tents or building altars? Are you spending more time on the temporary or on the eternal? Pastor, what does this even mean? It's simply this. If you're not doing anything for the kingdom, change that. Do something for the kingdom. I'm going to lay it out as simply as I can, as simply as the Lord's shown me. When I was in Bible college, there was a guy named Dennis Whaley, and he made an eternal impact on me. You know how I know? Because I was in Bible college many decades ago. It's decades now, yeah. Just give me a minute. I was young and I was spry. And maybe Mike Teeter's still young, but I'm not. As I hobbled up to the pulpit today. Anyway, focus. His name was Dennis Whaley, and I remember he was the master recruiter for all volunteering at church. His title literally was Minister of Ministries. I thought, that's interesting. What are you in charge of? All of it. That's right. And he would recruit people and I would ask him, don't you feel bad asking people to do stuff all the time? He said, no, <laughs> silly boy. He said, you've got to understand that, that what they do here at the church and for the kingdom is what they look forward to. It's what changes lives. They got to go to work every day, but man, they... The way we hope is they're working and then they can't wait to get to church to serve the Lord. Huh. 
brand new perspective for me. So I'll tell you this. Are you building something that lasts? Secondly, are you following the Lord's direction? Some of us have this idea that we must hear an audible voice of God or a neon sign may be hanging on our bedroom, bedroom wall, serve, work the nursery, <laughs> whatever the case may be. In Genesis chapter 13, we see the scriptures lay out the idea of an open door. Beginning in verse 8, finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us and our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land that you want. And we will separate. And if, uh, if you want the land to the left, I'll take the one on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, I'll go left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere. Like the garden of the Lord, the beautiful land of Egypt, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley in the east of, to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and his servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan. Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, settled among the cities on the plain, but the people of this area were extremely wicked, constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look, as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west, I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved this camp, moved his camp from he to Hebron and settled there, the oak grove of Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. We see him again building that altar to the Lord. Are you following the Lord's direction? You see, Lot chose what he saw to be the right path, but how many of you guys know, you read the rest of the story, it wasn't the right path. So Abram got the leftovers. Sometimes we think that we've got to hear this audible voice, but sometimes it might just be an opportunity or an open door. Not everybody's called to do this, what I do. Not everybody's called to play these instruments up here. Not everybody's called to sing up here. And you can thank God for that. But everybody can do something for the sake of the kingdom. Are you following the Lord's direction? It might look like our kids pastor in the hallway saying, hey, you know, if you have any time, I could sign you up to serve. Well, I need to pray about that. Hey, Donna comes up to you who runs our Greater Grounds Coffee. Hey, if, if you'd like to help me set up on Sunday morning, I could, I could plug you in. Well, I need to fast for several weeks and pray on that. Sometimes it's not that complicated, friends. To do something for the kingdom, I, I used this illustration a few years ago, that there's a lot of times in church life that we have this line right across that we're in the church, yet we've never crossed that line to be in the church. We attend. Maybe sometimes we tip God. Good, good service, Lord. Maybe sometimes we... We kind of want to help. We did the shoebox thing. But I want to tell you, be a part of the community. 
Run into the thing all the way. Be in it. Cross that line. Can I tell you that your community, your friends, your family, your support system happens in serving. That's how it works around here. The people that go feed the homeless, they go eat after they feed the homeless. Right? Well, I mean, you fed the homeless, so you got to feed yourself. <laughs> There's the fellowship part. The people that pray together, they go eat together. The people that serve together hang out together. It's a community that you're building. Are you following the Lord? Let me dispel any idea that you haven't heard the voice of the Lord. I'm literally preaching a 40-minute sermon on it today. The voice of the Lord is speaking. Follow the direction of the Lord. Number two, give something that multiplies. Give something that multiplies. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Give something that multiplies. I love the economy of God. It's brilliant when you really think about it that there's not a dollar amount or a specific amount that we are to give to the Lord. It's a percentage amount, which is based on what you have, based on your increase. The 10% is based on whatever 10% of your increase is. We just simply walk in obedience with that. Another thing is the one-day offering that we just talked about. Listen, the one day is based on what you have. Nobody's saying that your one-day offering has to be compared to someone else. When we start comparing what we give in comparison to others, we've already missed the point. When we start measuring, if I give, what, will, what does poured into my lap mean? Pastor, can you give me an example of poured into my lap? What do I get out of the deal? We're missing the point. We want to give something that multiplies. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 9. Sorry, it'll be coming up. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning in verse 6, it says, Remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me make a statement. If you're giving and your heart isn't cheerful, stop. Right now. We don't want it. We don't want that spirit attached to that gift, and we don't want it in this house. If you're serving, and you're so frustrated because, oh, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't. Stop. Please. We don't want that spirit in this house. We want the spirit of joy. We want the spirit of cheerfulness. We want people to walk in obedience and see God's goodness and blessing. However, it's interesting enough that, that as it's laid out in 2 Corinthians 9, that there is a test we talked about in the first week of our service when we talked about sow and giving financially. That God says, test me in this. Here's how it goes here at Greater Life. If you're not, I'm comfortable with saying, do it for 90 days. If God doesn't bless you, if you're in a worse place off, come back, we'll give you all your money. If you wanna test God, which is what he said, test me in this, we're happy to be the middleman in that transaction. We've done that for 10 years, and I've never had one person come back and say, give me my money back. 
because God is faithful to keep his word. Amen? Give something that multiplies. How do you measure your gift? Well, your gift is measured on what you decided in your own heart, not under compulsion. How do you multiply your gift? Moving on to verse 10. Now he who supplies the seeds, the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Listen, when we give generously, God gets glory. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Give to something that multiplies. Measure your gift according to your heart. In order to multiply your gift, remember that it is God has provided that seed for you to sow anyway. There's an idea that some people are caught up eating the seed and they never have seed to sow. So farmers will tell you it's stupid to eat all the seed. You've got to keep a reserve to plant for the next year, for the next harvest. Can we just make a decision in our hearts today that God does know what he's doing? Number three, Genesis 26, 12. Number three, do something. Build something that lasts, give something that multiplies. Number three, do something. Genesis 26, 12 says, when Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted for the Lord blessed him. Matthew 13, 8, still other seed fell on fertile soil. They produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much has been planted. Do something. That applies to both your gift and your service. I'll put it this way. Do something different than you always have. Well, pastor, I've, I've helped out when I can. I've given when it works in the budget. How about change it up and do it God's way? Do something different than you always have. The law of insanity says to do what you've always done and expect a different outcome. Do something bigger than you always have. Maybe you've done nothing or given, maybe you've done nothing or given nothing. Maybe you've done much or given much. I wonder how big your faith could be. I wonder what God could use you to do for the sake of his glory. You can never outgive or outserve the Lord. As I said in the first week, sometimes we have to take a step back and understand that in this critical time of life, I do believe that we as a people, believers upon the Lord Jesus Christ, have got to stop building bigger barns and put an intentional effort in how can we do kingdom work. Finally, do something better than you always have. If it's your resources, your time, or your talent, and you're giving the leftovers, we're already starting on the wrong foot. Let's give God our best starting right now, the best time of the day, the best resources, the best attitude, and see what happens.
I'm standing up here simply because it's my assignment, not because I'm any better than you. You won't have to look, you won't have to search very far to find that out. At this time, many preachers would be able to stand up here and say, listen, I wake up at 3 a.m. every morning and I pray for two hours and I read the scriptures for four hours and then I start my day. That ain't me. I sleep at 3 a.m. every morning. All the way up until later that morning. But you know what I do? I have done. The past three days, I've gotten up 30 minutes earlier and spent more time with the Lord. I spend time with the Lord, but I've tried to do a little more. As I wrote this sermon, do something different, bigger, better. And the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing, Andrew? Can I just tell them about it and then just... <laughs> No. What if we changed it up and said, God, in 23, can we not just make these New Year's resolutions that we never keep anyway? So you know why I started? I started early, so it's not a New Year's resolution because you know what? Those always don't work. <laughs> but what if we did something different, bigger, better than we always have? The laws of the harvest, this hundredfold idea. Isaac planted his crops and harvested a hundred uh, times more grain. Isaac was able to benefit from the blessing of God because his father didn't spend all his time pitching tents. He spent his time building altars. And there's a generational blessing that you're, the generation that follows you may completely miss out on if the Lord tarries unless you do something bigger, better than you always have, and you say, Lord, my time on the earth might be short, but I'm gonna make an impact for the kingdom of God. Not so they can say my name, but so that you can be glorified. The laws of the harvest are directly connected to the attitude and the actions of the sower. Picture, if you would, a farmer. Normally, a farmer spread seeds like this where they're supposed to go, where the little holes are poked and everything's tilled, and this farmer is going to see a great harvest. He's got discipline, he's got intentionality, he's got an attitude because I'm working and I'm gonna expect something to come back and I'm gonna expect a harvest. Now picture if you would an angry farmer. Throwing seed all over the place. Who's gonna have more impact in the harvest? The one that has an intentional, good attitude about what they're doing towards the harvest. Picture, if you would, the servants of the owner of the vineyard. As Jesus laid out many times a parable that the owner of the vineyard wanted to come and see the, serv the servants working diligently, not doing their own thing for their own, out their own outcome, but serving the owner. God owns it all. What are we doing with his stuff? What are we doing with our time? The attitude and the actions of the sower are incredibly important. Now I want to give you an opportunity. In our 9 a.m. service, we called people to respond. And this is what that response looks like. Uh, Herb, would you open the barn doors for me? Mike, would you help? If you came in today, you saw these big balloon thingies out there. Here's what we want you to do. If you're not serving... 
Christmas is a time where we're expecting a great harvest of people to come through. There's two tables out there. Matter of fact, I see my buddy serving at the table. He just signed up to serve this morning. Hey, man. <laughs> On the left side is next gen. Students, kids, next gen. On the right side, anything but next gen. Say, man, I hate kids. All right. Go to the right side. <laughs> we ain't mad at you. Just go to the right side. If you, if you have a, a gift of patience and want to serve with children, I'm going to tell you this. I was a kid's pastor for 15 years, so I need, to, I need to say this. As soon as you feel like serving in the nursery is not making a kingdom impact, let me remind you that that mom, that parent, sat in a service and was able to have their life changed by the power of God's word because somebody cared enough to watch their child. Amen? So I want you to go to one of the two places. They're going to collect your name and where you'd like to serve. Our goal is to get 50 new volunteers. If you're not doing anything at Greater Life, or even if you're serving like on occasion every now and then, that's leftovers. Can we be intentional and sign up and be engaged in this ministry? If you're a guest with us today, you could still sign up. We don't care. Jump in. Listen, there's two ways to get into a swimming pool. Right? Yee's in. You already lost, man. If you're easing in, <laughs> you found out it's cold and now you're going to be scared. Or you just, what? Jump in. Who jumps into the pools? Kids, because they're weird. What did Jesus say about kids? We should adopt their philosophy in life to believe like them because they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I'm telling you right now, you want to jump in? Jump in. Be a part of the family. I encourage you, sign up today. Let me tell you about Christmas and why it's important that you sign up. Starting next week, we have Christmas. You could invite people until you're blue in the face to come to church. And they, they, may, they may not come. But when it's Christmas time, guess what? Christmas is about Jesus. And so we want to put forth an effort and we want you to help us because we're going to have Christmas cookies and cocoa and all this stuff. We need we need all kinds of crazy people walking around with trays. And maybe we got stuff planned. You know, you're going you're to love it. Christmas Eve service is going to be awesome. We need your help. We need your help to serve the people that are going to come and potentially, prayerfully find Jesus for the first time. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that you take the obedience of these people. I pray you take their gift, their attitude, their service opportunity that they find before them. And I pray, God, you would use it for your glory. Lord, we just want to make you famous. We just want people to find a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.